John 9. We will work again as we've been doing through the whole chapter, but we will read a few verses at the beginning. If you would please stand for the reading of the scripture. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, no, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see." Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. May God add his richest blessing to reading of this portion of his holy word will you pray with me please and father in heaven again we thank you for your word and we pray that by the power of your spirit you would come and speak your word open our eyes and our ears and our hearts that we would see and hear and know and follow lord jesus christ the good shepherd may his sheep hear his voice and know him and follow in spite of the inability and sin of the preacher in jesus name Amen. Be seated, please. Was blind, but now I see. What would be a legitimate reason to excommunicate someone from the church? I have no one in mind yet. It would have to be bad, wouldn't it? The Apostle Paul told the church at Corinth to excommunicate a man and what he was doing was heinous. But of all the possible horrible things for which a hardened, unrepentant sinner could be excommunicated, 
Would singing Amazing Grace be grounds for the most extreme disciplinary action a church can take? You know, it happened one time. Well, he didn't sing it. But the words of Amazing Grace once got a man excommunicated. And we'll get back to that in due time, but now let's get to the passage before us. You know the story. Jesus encountered a man who had been blind from birth, and the disciples asked Jesus whether the blind man had sinned or his parents uh, that he was born blind. Obviously, they were perplexed. If his blindness were punishment for his sin, he was born blind. God punished him before he did anything wrong. That didn't seem right. But then if his parents had sinned and brought it on him, it seems he's being punished for their uh, sin, and that doesn't quite seem fair toward him. And the disciples uh, find uh, a man born blind to be a dilemma. But the question arises out of the disciples understanding that suffering must be a direct result of sin, like Job's three so-called friends talked about with the children. Kept saying, Job, you got a skeleton in the closet somewhere or these terrible things would not be happening to you. But look at Jesus' answer, verse 3. It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Isn't it interesting how practical John is? Even as he goes along through some of the deepest theology, he gives a simple word for the sufferer. He could have recorded the story here without the disciples' question and Jesus' answer. It's very tangential to the main point. But John knows someone's going to be reading who is suffering and needs to know that it's not necessarily punishment for his sin. It could be. We've already seen John 5. Jesus told a paralyzed man after he healed him that if he sinned, something worse would happen to him. But that doesn't mean if you're suffering, it's necessarily because you did something terrible any more than it was for Job. And John knew he had someone reading, and maybe he has someone hearing what he wrote 2,000 years ago right now. And John knew that the Holy Spirit knew, moved John to record that little seemingly incidental and tangential detail because you needed to be reminded today that your suffering is not because of some horrible thing, but that the work of God might be on display in your life. But now let's get on with the story. First, you see a living demonstration. Look at verse 5. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now Jesus had been saying in chapter 8, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. And, And now right after that, After declaring himself the light of the world, he comes to a man who will be a living demonstration of what he has been teaching. Now, 
You remember way back before Jesus ever preached on being the light of the world, back in chapter 3, he has said to Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus said to the most educated, the most biblically literate, highly esteemed religious man in Israel, Nicodemus, you cannot see spiritual reality. You were born blind. Your spirit has no capacity to see the spiritual reality of the kingdom of God unless you are born again. And now he meets a man born blind. A man who has never seen a thing in his life. If he lost his sight as an adult or even in childhood... That would have been one thing. He would have some visual images in his memory. But this man doesn't even have a frame of reference. He's never seen a shape or a color or any contrast between light and dark. You know, we can shut our eyes and through the back of our eyelids we can tell if it's light or dark out there. This man didn't have that much. Just total darkness. He knows he's blind. He knows he's disabled. But he's never seen what he's missing to know what it is. And this man's physical condition is a living demonstration of a spiritual reality. You and I were born blind. We did not go blind. It was our natural original state. We did not even know what we were missing. We did not know we were blind. Darkness was all we knew. It was natural to us. We were born blind. And here Jesus heals a man born blind. Look at verse 6. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva... Then he anointed a man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. This seemed like a strange way to heal a blind man, doesn't it? Why spit in the dirt and make mud and rub it on his eyes? Now some of the ancient church fathers thought that this was a reenactment of Genesis 2-7. They said the Lord made Adam, he formed him from the dust of the uh, ground and the Lord breathed into the body he had formed from the dust. He breathed the breath of life and Adam became a living soul. And the early church fathers, some of them saw Jesus uh, spitting in the dust of the earth like God breathing into Adam the dust of the earth. You know, you do breathe out the spit. And so the point is, Jesus is God breathing into the dust to create new life for the man. And that is beautiful. It's beautiful as spit and mud could be, I suppose. But the real problem with that interpretation is that the spit and the mud did not heal the man. It had to be washed off. It seems more likely that the spit and the mud simply something he needed to wash off his eyes in this representation it is the sin the flesh the darkness that needs to be cleansed away 
No, Jesus doesn't use the mud to heal a man. He uses the water to pull a siloam. Now, if you remember back in John chapter 7, a couple weeks back, if you missed it, I think it's on the website. Not that the message is worth listening to, but some of the background information might help you or might be helpful to understand this uh, passage. But in chapter 7, Jesus was at the Feast of Tabernacles, and they had that water ceremony where the high priest led the procession carrying the the golden pitcher uh, and got the water and brought it back to the temple and poured it out in the bowls, the basins before the altar, and they would call on the Lord to send the living water that he'd promised in the Old Testament. Read about it in Ezekiel chapter 47. And you remember it was there that Jesus said in that water ceremony, if any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Then it says this living water that Jesus promised to give was the Holy Spirit. Well, now the, the water that they poured out before the altar at the Feast of Tabernacles, came from this pool at Siloam, where Jesus sends the man born blind. That's the water that Jesus used to symbolize the Spirit, the Holy Spirit that he would give. This same pool to which he sends this man to be healed. And you see in verse 7 it says that the word Siloam means sent. This is the waters they used when they prayed in the temple. Lord, send the living waters. And Jesus says he is the one who sends the living waters. And Jesus is the one who was sent. Verse 4, we must work the works of him who sent me. Then at the same feast, you remember, after Jesus said he gave the living waters, he said he is the light of the world. He gives the spirit. He gives light. And now Jesus gives us a living demonstration of these spiritual realities. He sends the man born blind to the water, to the sent water, to the Holy Spirit, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, the mud, the sin, the blindness and darkness is taken away, and he has eyes to see, and the light of the world enters his soul for the first time. What happened to this man physically is a living demonstration of what must happen to each of us spiritually. You see a living demonstration. Secondly, in this passage, you see a vicious interrogation. Look at verse 8. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? People have known this man all his life in that community. He's never been able to see. And now people are noticing he's obviously not blind. He's moving around unaided. He's not begging anymore. And they start talking about it. Word begins to circulate in the community. Hey, isn't that the man who used to sit and beg? Some say yes, some say no. It can't be. It must be somebody who looks like it. But he keeps saying, I am that man. So they ask him, 
how are you now able to see? Look at verse 11. He answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. And then they asked him, well, where is he now? And he says, I don't know where he is. So what do they do? They take the man to the synagogue, to the Pharisees who are running the synagogue, and they tell the Pharisees all about what happened. The man had been blind his whole life, and then that day Jesus had made mud with his spit, rubbed it in his eyes, sent him down to the pool of Siloam, and restored his sight. But look at the not-so-incidental detail at the beginning of verse 14. Now it was a Sabbath day. And you know where this is headed, don't you? Look at verse 15. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight, and he said to them, He put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Same as he had said to the people. And the Pharisees say, Ah! Sabbath breaker. Look at all that hard work Jesus did on the Sabbath. Oh my, he bent over and had the audacity to pick up a handful of dirt. And horror. He spit on the Sabbath day. And he mixed it up made mud and rubbed it in the man's eyes all that back breaking physical labor on the Sabbath day Jesus has desecrated the Sabbath sinner he didn't come from God then some of them say now wait a minute if he's a sinner how could he heal a blind man they knew the Bible they knew the words we sang this very morning. Psalm 146 in verse 8. The Lord gives sight to the blind. A sinner can't do that. And so they were divided. And they asked the man again, what do you think? You're the one that got healed. What do you have to say? And he said, I think Jesus is a prophet. I believe he came from God. And then a vicious interrogation begins. And the synagogue ceases to be a house of worship and turns into a court. And the high tribunal convenes right then and there and this man is given a snap trial and the interrogators first go after his parents. They drag his parents into the synagogue. Look at verse 18. The Jews did not believe that he'd been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but now he sees, we do not, but how he sees, we do not know. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age, he'll speak for himself. They confirm he's their son. and He was born blind, but, but they said, we don't know who opened his eyes. He's a grown man. Ask him yourself. As I read it, they pretty much throw their own son under the bus. 
Scripture paints it in a very negative light because verse 22 states that they said what they said because they were afraid. If anyone says Jesus is the Christ, he will be kicked out of the synagogue. That's what it says, verse 22. That's what they were afraid of. It's a chargeable offense for anyone to say Jesus is the Christ. And if anyone says Jesus is the Christ, he will be prosecuted to the fullest extent under the law. If you confess Jesus is the Christ, you will be excommunicated from the synagogue. Now, you understand, if you were a Jew in Jerusalem in the first century and you were excommunicated from the synagogue, you were as good as dead. Your life was gone. You may as well have been a leper. If you had a job, you lost it. If you owned a business, you lost your customers. You lost your livelihood. You lost your family. You lost your home. You lost your community. If you were kicked out of the synagogue and you were a first century Jew in Jerusalem, you were done. And so his parents say, he's a grown man, go ask him because they feared. And then the interrogation turns back on the man himself. They drag him back and before he has a chance to speak his testimony, they say to him, give glory to God. We know Jesus is a sinner. Say God healed you. Jesus can't be God. He is a sinner. And look at verse 25. He answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. Okay, I don't know what you think about Jesus, but I know this. I was born blind, but now I can see, and you can't argue with that. And they ask him again, what did he do? How did he open your eyes? And, and look at verse 27. He answered them, I've told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Don't you love what he says? This man knows he does. This is kangaroo court. He sees right through it. He was charged tried, convicted, and sentenced before he ever got to the synagogue. He is out and he knows it, so he starts making fun of the Pharisees in broad daylight. Hey, you already asked me that before. I told you you wouldn't listen. Why are you asking me again? You want to follow Jesus too? He's taunting them in open court. Now they're mad as fire, and they say, you were Jesus' disciple, but we're Moses' disciple. We know God spoke through Moses, but we don't know where Jesus came from. And this man continues to make fun of them. Look at his, his sarcasm in verse 30. He says, the man answered, why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. How dare a man that you don't know where he came from have the audacity to open the eyes of a blind man? Then he turns the tables. He puts a question to them. Look at verse 32. 
Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Now he's got him. This has never in the history of the world happened. Not one time. This man must be from God. It is a fair point. It is a reasonable point to discuss. If Jesus is not from God, then how could he have done this? And how do they respond? Same day, same way they always do when they're beat. They don't even try to engage him. Look at verse 34. They answered him, you were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? They bully him. They don't even try to have a reasonable discussion. See, a vicious interrogation. See, a living demonstration, a vicious interrogation. Thirdly, in this passage, you see a criminal excommunication. Look at the end of verse 34. And they cast him out. They threw him out. They expelled him. They excommunicated. That's what it means. They excommunicated this man from the synagogue that day. I told you a man was once excommunicated for the words of amazing grace. I was not making it up. Here he is. This man was literally excommunicated. Why? Verse 22 says, if, if Jews had agreed, if anyone confessed Jesus to be the Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. This man can see. This man born blind can see. And the fact that he can see, and everybody knows that it was Jesus who healed him. His existence is a confession that Jesus is the Christ. What was this man's testimony? Though I was blind, but now I see. That got him cast out. The words that inspired the most beloved song in the entire history of the world. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. And to think as much as we love those words that the man who first uttered them was excommunicated for them. This man got no due process whatsoever. Completely illegal miscarriage of justice. A criminal excommunication. You see a living demonstration, a vicious interrogation, a criminal excommunication. Fourthly, in this passage, you see the sweetest consolation. Look at verse 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out and... Having found him, Jesus found him. First man in history born blind to see was big news. Word got around. Word got back to Jesus. Did you hear what happened to the man you healed? They rode him out on a rail. And Jesus found him. 
It's not random that the next chapter of John is Jesus' sermon on the good shepherd. What does the good shepherd do? He goes to find his sheep. You remember Ezekiel 34, the Lord brought charges against the shepherds of Israel. He said, you've not taken care of my sheep. You've taken advantage of them. You've beat them up. You've wounded them. You've scattered them. But I will come. And I will be their shepherd myself. And Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And here the so-called shepherds of Israel have beaten up this man and run him off and kicked him out. But the good shepherd goes to find his sheep. You see the sweetest consolation. Look at the end of verse 35. Having found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? He asked him point blank, do you believe And the man says, who is he, sir, that I may believe? And then verse 37, Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. That's sweet. You have seen him. This man who had never seen anything before in his life can now see. He can see what the Pharisees cannot see He can see the Christ, the Son of Man. And so he answers in verse 38, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. That word worship there indicates that he prostrated himself on the ground before Jesus and confessed his faith. He has been kicked out. He has been expelled. He has been shunned. His own parents did not come to his aid, but Jesus found him. And here he is with Jesus. Old hymn says, Let the world despise and leave me. They have left my Savior too. Human hearts and looks deceive me. Thou art not like man untrue, and while thou shalt smile upon me, God of wisdom, love, and might, foes may hate and friends may shun me. Show thy face, and all is bright. That's this man. He's despised, shunned, he's hated. But he can see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, and all is right. See, a living demonstration of vicious interrogation, a criminal, a criminal excommunication, the sweetest consolation, and finally you see a plain explanation. Look at verse 39. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Jesus gives a plain explanation of the whole thing. I came into the world so that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. That's the message of the whole chapter in one sentence. The blind see, those who see become blind. It's judgment. Now some Pharisees were standing in earshot and said, you talking about us? You saying we're blind? Look at verse 41. Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt, but now that you say we see, your guilt remains. 
Jesus came to give sight to the blind, to give light to a dark world, but the world says we can see, we're fine, we don't need you. These Pharisees were proud, too proud to admit they were blind, but maybe more than that, they were born blind. They didn't know any different. They were too ignorant to realize their blindness, and the light of the world was right there. The Savior was right there, but they had no eyes to see. It's a scary thing to think you could be lost, blind, dying in sin, and the only one who can save you is right there. But you can't see. But how many times, how many people have sung those words? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see how many have sung those words a thousand times, but still cannot see. Can you see? In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen.